Okay. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm agnostic. And I'm Laura Barclay, a Baptist minister, and we're Bible Bitches, a podcast where we riff on all things biblical, feminist, and pop culture. So today, our fun fact is that Sarah is hooked on a new show. What is it, Sarah? <laughs> well, it's not, it's not new. I just, I think it came out, I think it was like from 2014, 2015, and it's it's called Over the Garden Wall, and it's this adorable cartoon about these two little boys. And um, it's like, it's super easy. Everybody should go watch it. The episodes are like 10 to 15 minutes, and there are only, I think, like 10 of them. So you can sit down and watch all of them easy. It's okay. She's made me promise to add it to, uh, to the queue on the Hulu. So we can chat about it on, uh, on Twitter's. It's just, the, it's just the cutest. The the little brother wears a um, upside down teapot on his head, and it's just the cutest. Wow. <laughs> it's really cute. It is. <laughs> we, are, we are not a sponsor. We just we're we're highly susceptible to cute things. So you know, yes. tweet is Agreed. cute. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, today we're talking about Zipporah who I'm pretty sure nobody knows about because she only got like three verses in Exodus. Um, but she was the wife of Moses. Uh, and hilariously, uh, I mentioned Zipporah to several different people who were like, Sephora? Yeah. <laughs> Sephora? Yeah. And I was like, no, not the makeup store. No, not the Japanese beer. <laughs> like, <No. laughs> hey, well, Wrong. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, we are talking about the wife of Moses. And I love that I have in my notes here, uh, do a brief history of Moses, which I did not write down. Uh, so basically, let's do a quick refresher. If you, uh, if all you remember about Moses is that movie with Charlton Heston you see every year on TV around Passover or Easter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like Moses was the little baby that was these little Israelite baby that was like put in the basket in the river um, to kind of save his life when Pharaoh was killing all of the uh, male uh, Israelite babies. And so he was put in this basket, sent down the river, and his sister was watching over him and saw that uh, someone from the Pharaoh's house saw this baby and took him in. And uh, so he was raised in Pharaoh's house with Pharaoh's family as an Egyptian. And then one day he saw uh, the, at this point, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians and he saw an Egyptian slave driver, like whipping an Israelite who was um, working and he struck the Egyptian dead um, and then had to flee because he had killed this Egyptian. So he flees and finds himself taking up with the Midianites. Um, and that's where we end up with him. Yeah, we talked about him in the episode about the badass ladies of the Old Testament because his sister is Miriam, who was a super badass and helped him lead the Israelites out of Egypt. That's right, which comes later in the story. But yeah. before, before we get to this point in the story, I think that we will talk about this, this a little bit, but an overview is basically he sees, uh, he gets married to a Midianite woman, and we'll talk about who Midianites are. Uh, and 
that God appears in a burning bush and is like, hey, go back to Egypt, free, free your fellow Israelites. And he goes back uh, with a posse and a big, a big badass staff and works to free uh, the Israelites. And then they run away eventually after a bunch of plagues and a parting of a Red Sea and then wander around in the desert for 40 years. Um, that's, that, is, that is a very, very short story yeah. of Moses' life. God, is, God in this whole story is, has a lot of emotions. He God is a very fickle human, like individual in this. He, she, they do. Yes. G dash D does. Right. Right. Anyways, Sephora is actually named after Zipporah because it means beauty or beautiful. Really? Yeah. Good notes. A fun fact. Yeah. Um, anyways, so it's after Moses's exile, after he kills this Egyptian slave driver, that he then goes to live with the Midianites who are Arabic and occupy the Sinai Peninsula. And we first see a mention of Midian as a son of Abraham back in the book of Genesis. So it's implied from the Bible that Midianites uh, came from Midian. Uh, as places and cultures were typically associated with these kind of early uh, names of mythic people in early biblical writings. Right. And um, so, so the deal is, is that we assume or we think from the information that we have that their religion was polytheistic, uh, which was kind of like a fun mishmash and they could have worshipped gods and goddesses from Egypt, Canaan, and Israel. And um, I mean, you know, that just that just sounds like good fun. If I could make a mishmash of religions, it would probably be uh, any ones that involve a lot of days off and celebratory drinking. What about what about you, Laura? I feel like I want to change my answer now. I had something in my head. As a, <laughs> I'm gonna go with that, but but really, I want what you have. Um, I'd have to put in some, uh, maybe we'll, we'll flesh out the pantheon, right? We'll, we'll keep the holidays that you have in the drinking. Um, I'd have to put in some Egyptian gods because of my obsession with them as a kid and yep. the movie Stargate starring Kurt Russell and James Spader. Uh, <laughs> fantastic film. Oh, <laughs> it, buddy. I loved that movie when I was a kid. Are you kidding me? Oh, I was all about it. Yeah. All- about it i was like that's what raw would have sounded like yeah <laughs> yes i rewatched it like a year ago and i was like you know what this kind of holds up <laughs> does it oh i'm gonna watch it after this right oh so uh but also i would have to just sneak quetzalcoatl from the mayan pantheon in because that name is so fun to say uh, but I'm not really a fan of bloodletting, so I'd probably just sacrifice like Swedish fish or gummy bears. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What if you sacrificed leeches? Ooh, oh, that's smart. Because nobody I mean, likes leeches, and they're already full of blood. So who cares? That's exactly right. <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. So here we are. Moses rescues seven daughters of Ruel. Ruel. Yeah. Ruel who's a Midianite priest from being harassed by some shepherds. So, so the story is that Moses, so everybody has to go, you know, there's only like one well of water for a town. And so every day, everybody 
at some point has to go out to this well to fill up their jugs with water so that they have water for the day. A lot of times women will get harassed by the men when they're going to this well. And so these seven daughters of Ruel, when they go to this well to get the water that they need for the day, get harassed by the local shepherds. Um, Moses one day is there and he, uh, he protects them. He keeps them from being harassed and then he helps them fill their jugs. And, um, and that like puts him in good standing with this, this family. Oh man. Times, times haven't changed that much, right? Just getting harassed at the, at the water cooler. <laughs> Just at a bar. The water cooler is now a bar. <laughs> accurate. Accurate. Or just like on the street, right. like hanging out. Too accurate, too accurate. Okay, so then Ruel, a.k.a. Jethro, a.k.a. Hobab, he's got a lot of names. I'm loving it. He's got, he's got a lot of aliases. Like, I want to know, is this priest running from the law to have so many aliases? Like, or is, or, is, or is he an artist? I, you know, is he a rapper? I don't know. I like it. I like it. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> he goes by Ruel, formerly known as Hobab. Yeah. <laughs> and then he like DJs on the side, DJ Jethro. Uh, yeah. so, so DJ Priest Jethro lets him uh, lets Moses crash at his place and then offers his daughter Zipporah as a wife. Um, and this goes down in Exodus chapter two, verses 21 and 22. And so Zipporah go, and Moses go on to have two sons named Gershom and Eleazar. I know, I like, I know that this was just such a common thing back then, but it seems so ludicrous. Like the idea of my dad being like, here, gentlemen, would you like any of my daughters? It just seems hilarious to me. Like, no, hard pass. What is that? <laughs> your, your dad never tried to offer you up uh, to a, to a past, a gentleman passerbyer. Yeah, like, I love that he has to do just, like, basically the bare minimum. He doesn't have to do, or he just has to do what is, like, what a reasonable human being should do, is what he does. And then, and then the dad is like, you seem like somebody who's really got his shit together. Would you like my daughter? <laughs> Daughter's like... Literally all Moses did was he was like, move along, harasser. Yeah. And then he... And then he like helped him fill some water. And then he's like, <laughs> return to that. You may have a whole person. <laughs> like Zipporah is just going about her daily duties. And then all of a sudden her dad comes in and is like, shop, shop, you're going with this dude now. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? Mm? Anyways. She's like, I've been going to the, the well every day. Why don't, why, why, don't, why don't you give me a man? Like, why isn't it the other way around? <laughs> so the story of Moses, you'll, I'm sure you remember the burning bush. Who doesn't love the burning bush? Where God convinces Moses to go back to Egypt and free the Israelites who are still enslaved under Pharaoh. So on the way, this weird thing happens. Um, I'm going to read you the whole, the whole, this whole vignette. There's like this crazy vignette where Zipporah has a role. It's three, it's three verses. And I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Version. And it is this. Now it, came, now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. 
And she said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. At that time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now, I want to make a quick note here that in verse 25, when it says, then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin, there is a, there's like a caveat, there, there's like a dubiousness to that. Like it could be just the pronoun cut off his foreskin. And so there are some questions about whose foreskin it might be. We'll get to that. And also, uh, and also some dubiousness about whose feet she threw it at. So Love. it's like his foreskin and his feet. There's a lot. Basically, like if you were writing the, whoever wrote this, like in a modern English class, they would not get a good grade because there's too many, there's too many pronouns. It's not specific. Yes. So basically, so basically what the, what is generally considered to be the text, like what is generally accepted is that God comes to Moses, Zipporah and their kid threatens death. And then Zipporah reacts to God by cutting off her son's foreskin and flinging it presumably at the feet of, of who Moses of Yahweh. Of, of Moses yeah. is how it is typically translated, right? Right. But, right. So we've got Tikva Frymerkinsky. She's she's unfortunately deceased, but was formerly a professor at the University of Chicago uh, Divinity School. She's known for the books uh, in the Wake of the Goddesses and Reading the Women of the Bible. States that the English translation may either have Zipporah saying she flings the foreskin at Moses' feet saying, you are a bridegroom of blood to me in the NRSV. Or she flings it at God's feet, Yahweh's feet, saying, you are a blood father-in-law to me. Because um, damin means blood, and hatan can mean either bridegroom or father-in-law. So it's, it's it, the, at, at least with the feet part, we're not really sure if it's Moses' feet or if it's God's feet, and if so, if she's saying you're a you're a bridegroom of blood to me, uh, to Moses or to God, you're a blood father-in-law to me. Yeah. Also, I want to just give one. I know I've been caveating a lot, but I'm going to do it again. Um, the NRSV and the NASV are both like really good translations. They're they're two of the ones that are most that do their like due diligence and do the most accurate interpretations or the most accurate um, translations. So we may be using two different ones, but they're both equally good. So she flings the, the foreskin at Moses' feet, but there are these interesting translation issues. Uh, Bernard P. Robinson writes this like interesting article. And in the beginning of it, he kind of like outlines the basic questions that scholars are dealing with and in an effort to sort of make this claim that basically nothing in the story makes sense. So number one, it's not clear who got attacks. We assume it's Moses, but the text presumably could, could be argued, it could be um, translated to say only him. It could be his son instead, nor is explained why God would want to kill Moses or any member of his family. It's totally out of the blue, this vignette. Nor is it clear whose genitalia, the translation could also read feet, but the implication is clear that 
the penis. It's not clear whose genitalia she cuts. Again, the assumption is the, is the son because we assume that Moses is already circumcised, but he hasn't. Moses has never been circumcised. And crazily, the story says that God appeared. So there is this possibility that Zipporah could have cut off God's foreskin. To me, that would be, <laughs> would be hilarious. Um, and like maybe a little blasphemous, but so good. Um, anyways, yes. And, and Laura mentions that the translation for the blood father-in-law is debated. And, and with these question marks around it, some scholars take it a step further and asks is if Zipporah is even speaking to Moses. She, they, they say that she could be speaking to God or the son. Um, and this is the, this is the thing that I think is most interesting. The others are, you know, translation issues and those aren't going to be, those are just kind of whatever to me. But, um, what's interesting to me is that the text is almost universally attributed to the J author. Remember when we talked about those J is for judges, there was like priestly judges. Uh, I forget the other two, but, um, the, each of these, each of these authors had a distinct point of view and like message that they were trying to get to. So attributed to J, but no other J text ever mentions, let alone insists on the importance of circumcision. And again, this is all what Bernard P. Robinson says. So, um, so as you were reading that, I just looked up the, the message, which is uh, Eugene Peterson did this. Uh, and he basically paraphrased the Bible in the most like modern language possible. So it's not necessarily most accurate, but it, it like reads the most like a novel, I guess you would say like a modern novel. Yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry. Um, just, I'm, I assume everybody knows, but just in case they don't, the message is another biblical translation. It's another, yeah, it's another biblical translation. Um, not, not the most accurate, but. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that is probably the easiest to read, right? Yeah. So I looked it up and it says, on the journey back, as they camped for the night, God met Moses and would have killed him, but Zipporah took a flint knife and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses's member with it. She said, oh, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. Then God let him go. She used the phrase bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. So I know in the past, like especially in um, the Ruth episode, we talked about sometimes feet as a metaphor for penis. Um, and, and there's a lot of like metaphors, uh, for different genitalia parts. So it, like, if you take that translation, it's interesting because that means when she, if you say that she, uh, cut off her son's foreskin, like she's definitely indicating like Moses is not, Moses is not circumcised and I am doing this on his behalf and my son's behalf for you, God, and kind of doing this sort of like ritual in order to make God back off and say like, look, we're, we're in the clear. Right. And that actually makes the most sense to me that there's, that Moses is not circumcised and that she does this very quickly in order to appease God. Uh, anyways, whatever we think Zipporah said or who she said it to, what she did stopped God's attack on Moses. And Tikva Freimer Kinski also notes that Zipporah's name also means bird, and uh, combined with her protection of Moses, is reminiscent of the fierce loyalty to her husband. Uh, like, if you say that she's Isis, right? Like, if you're looking at uh, the Egyptian myth, so the fierce loyalty she exhibits to Moses is similar to the Egyptian goddess Isis. 
uh, and the loyalty she has to her husband Osiris. And uh, Isis is often portrayed as a bird of prey. And uh, in that respect, it's possible that this story was influenced by Egyptian mythology and religion. And this vignette was kind of co-opted or, or put into the kind of oral tradition before it was actually written down centuries later. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably true with a lot of these texts. Like they're just, I would say a lot of them are interpretations or rereadings of Yeah, and you have texts. so many cultures side by side, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, of course they're going to uh, share stories and take them and in, in, into their meaning. And I think some of this meaning is probably just lost to us forever. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to read any any sort of like modern view of God or culture back on this because I, so much of it is they're, they're taking, they're, t- they're taking and borrowing from Egypt and, you know, making it their own and, and who knows what it meant to them. Yeah. So anyways, sorry, bringing it back. Um, Jonathan Kirsch, who is an LA times contributor and the author of the woman who laughed at God, the untold sto- the untold history of Jewish people notes in a U.S. news article from 2008 by Beth Brophy, Brophy that quote Zipporah plays more than a supporting role in the futures of in the future of the Israelites. Moses is God's chosen messenger, the most important biblical figure after Abraham. Yet Moses is at risk for losing at is at risk of losing his life in this scenario, except for the intervention of Zipporah. The entire fate of Israel rests with her. She, the pagan daughter of a priest, stood up to God. He adds. Yeah, that's pretty wild, right? So she is a pagan, uh, this pagan daughter of a pagan priest. And uh, if she had not done that, you know, according to the story, Moses would be dead and the, like, the Israelites would never have been freed. And the story ends, right? Because everything else hinges in the biblical narrative upon that moment where the, the Israelites are freed and, and kind of start this nation and, you know, then you have the history of the judges and then the kings and, and all that. And you would not have had that. And the Davidic line, of course, leads to Jesus, according to oral tradition. So it really hinges on a pagan, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, that's huge. And it kind of shows that even in ancient times, when it's, it, tribalism is rampant, there's still a vision for uh, a foreigner... Uh, someone of other beliefs to to play a huge role in uh, a shared vision. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, and like, is it possible? I know we're getting a little bit off topic here, but is it possible that the reason why she could stand up to God was because she was a foreigner? Mm, yeah. Like it takes an outsider to be able to not be uh I don't like know. intimidated. intimidated. Yeah, that's a good word. Uh, like intimidated and totally like paralyzed with it. Because we see Moses meet God earlier at the burning bush and he's totally flabbergasted, right? Yeah. He can't say anything. He's totally like, wow. Yeah. So it, it probably did take a foreigner who was just kind of like, who's this guy? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So back to the issue of the um, circumcision, the coffee shop rabbi in their blog states, to my eyes, it looks like Moses neglected, neglected to give Gershom a bris, 
which is the ritual circumcision. Um, God was unhappy about this, so unhappy that he suddenly announced that he was going to kill Moses. Zipporah stepped in and performed the bris, throwing the foreskin at Moses's feet. Then she said something very weird, and God left them alone. I love the idea that God, that she just said something so fucked up that God was like, I don't know how to respond to that. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Anyways, all that's really clear here is that Zipporah is the heroine of the tale, and Gershom is finally circumcised. So Yeah, and then her weirdness, like, trumps God, right? And at the same time, uh, Sydney White Crawford, professor of religious studies at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln states, to me, the main point is to show that the deity is not all benign. It can be difficult for humans to be in the presence of God unless they follow religious prescriptions, such as circumcision. So it's very interesting. You have this God who's not at all benign in this moment, but then Zipporah just, like, out-weirding God, right? She's just like... Here's a sir, blood, blood, you know, blood and stuff, and here's the foreskin, and God's like, okay, bye. <laughs> I know. So, well, actually, so two things. One of the things that I, I left this out in the list of what of what Robinson said, but one of the things that he did talk about was the weirdness that that God is like personifies evil here. He personifies danger. Um, which is an interesting element to the overall narrative of this text. Um, but also, so some of the stuff I was reading, like what we were talking about earlier, was that Moses is uncir- or, yeah, Moses is uncircumcised, and going into Passover, it's not, I don't want to say allowed, but it's not kosher, I guess, to be uncircumcised and participate in Passover. And so there's one line of thought that in in Zipporah, cutting off the foreskin and throwing it at the feet of Moses, that she sort of baptizes him in the blood and therefore like absolves him of his uncircumcision. There's also another, there's also this other kind of whole thought process, this whole theory that God barges in because God is pissed that Moses isn't leading the people out of Israel quickly enough. And he's kind of like, well, Moses, I'm, I'm pissed. If you're like, if you're not going to do this, then I'll get somebody else. You're, I'm going to just kill you kind of thing. And what Zipporah does kind of, um, you know, saves, saves, clearly saves the life of Moses and of therefore like Moses's people um I don't really I think that that's like one of the flimsier arguments but maybe it was kind of a like scare them scaring them straight kind of deal yeah yeah maybe like uh, just giving them a little taste of locked up raw I don't know (laughs) but uh so we also see like kind of circumcision we've talked kind of circled around this but circumcision is seen as uh some protection against death uh, at times, and a symbol of being set apart. Uh, this could also be for a huge foreshadowing that there will be a plague in Egypt that kills the firstborn Egyptians, right? Because mm-hmm. th- uh, there's several things we know. So that we've seen in in this story, we've seen two things: we've seen blood, and we've seen uh, like foreskins. <laughs> Woo! And uh, <laughs> so uh, the thing that sets the Israelites apart in the story, so that when God sends the angel of death. Uh, they, they've tried a lot of different things to turn Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh, like by the 10th plague, God's going to take the firstborn um, because 
Pharaoh has not listened and freed God's people. Then this is the beginning of this is this is how the holiday Passover happens. Um, is that God tells Moses to tell the people to put blood over uh, the doors uh, so that the angel of death knows to avoid those doors. So the Israelites all know to put blood on their doors. Uh, but the Egyptians don't know this. And so the angel of death comes and kills all the firstborn. Mm -hmm. So there's this kind of symbol of blood being a protection. And also that uh, throughout, you know, th this custom of, uh, of a bris and the, for, you know, the sons being, uh, having their, their foreskin removed and, and being circumcised uh, sets them apart as God's chosen people. Which, like, on an absolute aside, is now, like, kind of, like, a really interesting conversation in the more liberal men's rights movements about, I mean, what is essentially, like, genital mutilation at a young age before they can consent. And um, so it's just, like, it's just, there's, like, the dialogue about it now is so much it's just so different than the narrative around it that I grew up with. Right. Absolutely. It's, uh, I, I don't think I ever really had any concept of, well, as a woman, I guess, you know, being like, I never really thought about penises or circumcision. And so it's very interesting how, you know, you kind of start reading about this and you're like, oh, circumcision, I guess that's the way to do it. And then you're like, <laughs> you know, and then you're like, oh, wait, why? You know, and then, so there's some, there's some solid questions here as to like, is, is that really now? Because I, I think it's changed. I think if you view God throughout the Bible and you view God's people throughout the Bible, their view of following God and what God wants and even God's personality changes throughout the Bible. And so is that, mm -hmm. is that the way to be faithful to God? Really? I don't know. I mean, I, for, for, and I think everybody you know, everybody has their own version of what that is. Um, so I don't know. I think that that's a really interesting question to raise though. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I don't really have any good responses to that. It's just like, okay. I, I, like to ask, I like to ask questions. I just like asking questions. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> but, but with the general mutilation, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, Again, like I know this is way off topic because it does, as far as I understand it, it does decrease sensitivity. And like that's kind of the deal with female genital mutilation too, is that like it takes away the pleasure of sex, right? So, you know, I, I did a cursory Google of this a while back and I don't want to get too much into the nitty gritty, but basically uh, it's possible that you can cut too much skin. That's horrifying. I don't even want to go into that even more, but that sounds just uh, atrocious and yeah. awful and, and it makes my heart hurt. Uh, but, and then also uh, sometimes there needs to be uh, later on uh, a circumcision happen for medical reasons um, because there's either too much skin or it's too tight or something. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't really understand it, but like, so there's just a lot of issues there that I, you know what? It's men's bodies. I don't really feel qualified. Just like, I don't want them to talk about my body and have opinions on it. Like, you know what, guys, you figure it out. I feel like this definitely falls into like my body, my choice kind of thing. Like their parents, yeah. whatever. I know that there's yeah. a lot of religious things and we're getting like political, but like yeah. maybe, yeah, I, maybe I just don't do it. Maybe, yeah. And, but like, you know what, if you're an adult and you want to have a, just, you know, you do you. Like I, I just, I don't, 
I, this, this territory makes me really uncomfortable as, you know, because I would not want a man telling me what to do with my body. No. I'm just, you know what, dudes, you do what you need to do with your own body. Like I. Yeah, but it's not them. I mean, like they can do whatever they want, but it's their parents. It's like way before right. they have any right. age. And right. it's, I think that yeah. that's the, that's the problem. You know what? Oh, yeah. No, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, anyways, back, back to Zipporah, <laughs> getting back, getting out of this like uncomfortable conversation. We have like no idea what we're talking about, but we don't, we don't, we don't. If I, I do not mean to offend. I, uh, I just, I just want everyone to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Same, same. And honestly, like, I would like to hear more dialogue about that. I would really like to hear what people think about that particular issue. Anyways, back to Zipporah. I mean, she's a woman in the Old Testament, so not shockingly, things don't exactly end well for her. Um, I'm gonna pron- I'm gonna just butcher this person's name. Tivika Tivka. It's Tivka Tivka Frymer Kinski. Okay, I'm just gonna call her Kinski. Kinks Kinks Kinski 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 notes. <laughs> Moses sends her and the children away in Exodus, in Exodus 18.20. After the exodus of the freed slaves from Egypt, her father, the priest of Midian, here he's named Jethro, not Hobab. DJ Jethro in the house. DJ Jethro comes to visit Moses, brings Zipporah and her two sons, and Moses is told that his father-in-law, Jethro, is coming to see you with your wife and her two sons in Exodus, again, 18.6. Moses goes out to greet Jethro and takes him into his tent, but nothing is said about his greeting to Zipporah. He neglects, like, he obviously neglects Zipporah as he, not God, tells the men of Sinai not to approach any woman in preparation for God's approach in three days in Exodus 19.2. Since he himself is apparently always in preparation for meeting with God, we can infer that he never sleeps with Zipporah, as that would make him unclean and unsuitable in God's eyes. Vaginas are dirty. But didn't they, I mean, like, where, isn't that where, how did, how was Gershom birth? That was before. Yeah, so she's done this and saved him, right? And then they freed the Israelites. And now, look what happened. Uh, she kind of got thrown by the wayside. So, and and this whole, and it's always put under this thing of cleanliness, right? Mm-hmm. So, because vaginas are dirt, vaginas are dirty. And I'm sitting here rolling my eyes right now. Because every human has come out of one or, or at least been near one before a C-section and uh, if you're a Christian, the son of God, Jesus, came out of one. So you've got to deal with it. Also, this kind of really reminds me. I'm getting on the soapbox, Sarah. But Love this totally reminds me of, like, whenever I was in high school, and uh, to be unnamed Christian high school, where guys would be like, um, you know, God spoke to me. This happened to a couple of my friends. They, like, boyfriends would be like, God spoke to me. And, they told, and God told me that, like, I just need to, like, break up with you. And then they'd be with like some girl like two days later and it's just like, just own it, dude. Like, just own it. Like, Moses, if you don't want to be around Zipporah anymore, you you like man up and you tell her like, look, you know, we had a good run, Zipporah. Like, thanks for saving my life. Like, here's a couple of donkeys and like, you know, half of my stuff. And like, you know, I'm going to shack up with this other lady, but like, you know, had a good run. <laughs> it's just like so fucking high school though. I remember like our prayer group, 
being like basically a thinly veiled gossip group like Mm -hmm. um can we please pray for so-and-so because she backslid last weekend and got drunk right and then they'd be like oh in an effort for us to like really be able to accurately pray for her can we get the details I need to know because God, God does not know. So I have to tell God every single thing. You know, is it just, did she, did she backslide and hook up with a boy? Did she like double backslide? These are the questions. I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Moses, just tell her. Like, if you don't want to be with her, just tell her. Yeah. Just like person up, dude. Anyhow. Um, Kinski also notes that possibly the last we hear of her is in Numbers 12.1 when Miriam and Aaron speak against Moses. Remember, Miriam and Aaron are Moses's siblings, um, and they speak against him because of the quote-unquote Cushite woman who he married, but they don't mention her name. Midrashic tradition assumes that we were discussing Moses's neglect of Zipporah. Others, other interpreters see the Cushite woman as a second wife, with Miriam and Aaron opposed to the marriage, but no children are ever recorded of a second wife of Moses. That doesn't really make sense to me, though, because she was Midianite, not Cushite. Yeah, and so, like... You know, we, so we have this Midrashic tradition, which is basically a bunch of rabbis um, kind of riffing on what this text actually means. Um, and so uh, we don't know, basically. Uh, like, I think it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah, Kushite is a different term, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, close, a close-ish area to this. What does it mean? We're not really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't know if it's, we don't know if to them it was like a synonym or if it was a totally different woman, if that makes sense. Are these, so are, remind me again, are Kushite and Midianite either, are either of these part of the 12 tribes of, of Judah? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, so Cush, Cush is, Cush is basically what they think that Cush is around the area of Ethiopia currently. Okay. Um, so, but this is all like maybes, right? So. Right. If Kush is uh, is Ethiopia ish, right? And we have what Mid- the Midianites as being somewhere in the Sinai Peninsula. Those are close ish. So could they have been tribes that inhabited the same air? Same. I know that's close. Close ish. Like if you if you were listening to this and looking at a map and being like, uh, that's a big hop. Like. <laughs> It is, it is, and it isn't, right? Because you have, like, mobile tribes kind of moving all through these areas. So, uh, and borrowing cultures from each other. So we, that's, that's why it's kind of a, ju- a huge question mark as to whether or not there's any overlap between Midianites and Cushites. But we know, regardless in this story, it's a, so sad and unfortunate that after saving Moses' butt, Zipporah fades into the background. But surely without her intervention, there would have been no more Moses and no let my people go and no justice and freedom for the enslaved Israelites. So Zipporah gets a massive thumbs up from us because we love freedom and justice. And, uh, and I just love that she's this kind of outsider pagan who's like, what the hell's going on? You know, I, I love her. I love her in this story. She's she's just she's just trying to get by. Yeah, I mean, I I really I really do like her. Um, 
that's kind of the deal with women, I think, in the Old Testament, is that they're, they only kind of pop up, A, in relation to a man, almost entirely in relation to a man. Um, but they, they're only there for as long as their usefulness is necessary. Like, they're only there to sort of, like, push along a narrative or explain, like, a pot, plot hole. So, you know, Zipporah is arguably there to rectify the issue of Moses's circumcision or something like that. Um, but in, but in any case, like she is, she reacts like with a clear mind, fully understanding the situation in a way that protects her family and, um, and like does it swiftly and smoothly. And that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I really, like, really hope that I have the wherewithal to to act quickly and 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 make some tough decisions because she has to like maim her child in order to do it. And yeah. she does it saves all of their lives. So like, I I hope I have the gonads that Sephora does. <laughs> the ovaries. That's yes. That is my prayer for for today. May, may I have the gonads and the ovaries that Sephora has. <laughs> <laughs> May, may I, I have I pray that for you, dear listener. <laughs> may, may my reproductive organs be as strong as Zipporah's. Kelly <laughs> <laughs> <Ali> Ho. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, so we should give yeah giant kudos to our Patreon supporters on our on our conclusion here. Well, I think we've got gifts uh, going out soon to uh, Laura Gundell and Vince Webb. Uh, yeah. our supporters and also welcome our newest supporter jane eller Woo! thanks jane so uh how can hey sarah how can they find us on patreon they can go to www.patreon.com backslash bible bitches podcast you can also like just email me directly at sarahehoff at gmail.com if you have any questions about finding our patreon page so you can find us on twitter at bible bitches is at, it at bible bitches podcast it's at bible, bible bitches. bitches it's at bible bitches and you can also slide into our dms if you want our uh, patreon account as well and i occasionally post it there so in addition to uh the twitter account we just talked about we were also on uh, facebook uh you can get us on our our fan page bible bitches and they can also find us on engage gaze right is it engage gaze with a z.com yeah right? g-a-z-e mm -hmm. and they're our host website they are amazing there's lots of good content there's uh there are articles they're starting a new podcast right on pop culture yeah on like religion and pop culture which i think is going to be really cool Yes, I am very pumped about that. And there might be a potential for crossover in the future. I would be very pumped about that. Yeah, we're um, in talks. We're in talks. We're in talks, y'all. We're in talks. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing a business. We're, yeah, we're bringing briefcases into meetings and like... We're doing a PowerPoint presentation. Oh, man. We're wearing business suits. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of star fades. It's pretty cool. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh yeah. If you want, if you like are listening to this and you're like, how the hell did I find this? Subscribe on iTunes, uh, uh, bleh, Stitcher, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher. SoundCloud. Um, yeah. Uh, and also, uh, want to give a massive shout out to, uh, Miss Eves who provides our intro and outro music. Um, you can find her at yo Eves 
on Twitter and she just dropped an album and it's fire. And you can also um, reach at Aaron Doodles. He provides all of our artwork and he is putting out some really great cartoons right now. He's into political cartooning and he is giving it to the man. Just <laughs> get it, to him. Get it buddy. Yeah. Anything else that we left out, Sarah? No, we love you guys. Um, we love that you guys are participating. We would love it if you guys start leaving us reviews on SoundCloud or iTunes. Um, that's a good way for us to get noticed by their kind of like uh, their algorithm. Um, so we can get noticed by more people. So if you guys want to, it doesn't even matter what you say. If you could just leave us five stars and um, five stars and maybe like uh, like one word. Yeah, do. Also slide into our DMs if you have any private questions like, uh, hey, I want to tell a story, but is this, is it too weird? Because we like yeah. stories. Yeah. And, uh, and also, um, if you have any topical requests, add us on Twitter. Go for it. Yeah, we'll check it out. We're into it. Sounds good. Yeah. We're going to cut this and we'll be back at you next time with Judas. <laughs> so long, Sucktown. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye, you guys.